Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever this podcast may find you. It is I, as always, Gavin. And I, Justin. And we are doing yet another remote podcast because, well, we're doing two, like, smaller episodes because of just scheduling with, you know, this weekend being Mother's Day, and you and I both have plans. And the following weekend, I will actually still be out of town uh, working uh, at Overland Expo, where... I'm going to be running around like fucking crazy <laughs> getting content for 23-0 and Expedition Superstore and some other brands as well. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be gone when we decided that rather than doing remote podcast that way, it's going to be just more difficult. Um, we'll just do it right now. Yep, so we get into a couple things talking about <clears throat> primarily overlanding cars and then dive down some cars and bids. So let's jump right into it. It, you know, lets me do some other things before, um, you know, hopping on mic before the mic gets hot like it is now. So, yep. welcome, everyone. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you and I were just talking, and I just wanted to just hop into this topic because I could totally see us tangenting over this. Um, please forgive the sirens if you can hear them. Ooh, I can barely hear them. Wow, didn't cancel that out. Yeah, well, I mean... Yeah, I, I I have no explanation for either canceling it out or y- you not uh, whatever. Anyways, this is bad radio. Um, I, you, so we were talking about this Facebook group uh, that's called Overlanding for the Poor's, which it was just like a like not even sponsored, but just like a random group. Facebook has been doing this more with me recently of just showing me content from other people's groups, mm-hmm. and so I um <laughs> I saw that and I'm like, well, I work in overlanding. And this looks like this could be a lot of fun, so I'm going to join this. Um, and I actually discovered a YouTuber that seems to have, like, he has, like, quite a following. And I'd never heard of this guy before. Um, his YouTube handle is C90... Oh, fuck. Sorry, that was really loud in my headphones. Um, C90 Adventures. Okay. Have you heard of this guy? I have not. He has 460,000 subscribers. He's been around for a long time. Um... But he had a project where he bought, like, a mini Jeep. So, like, something with, like, a a 50cc engine or something like that. I can't remember what. Um, And it looks like a Willy's Jeep, but it's, like, you know, pint size. It's, like, for kids. And so he bought it in Logan and made uh, a claim or he made a a trek. He made – what's the right word for it? I guess a plan – to yeah. take it entirely off-road from Logan to Moab. Damn. Okay. Yes. You, you would love this guy. He's English. He's, like, in his probably, I don't know, mid-late 20s, maybe early 30s. He's, he's a younger guy. Um, but the video that was posted in the group has 5.8 million views on it. <laughs> and it's, like, a 31-minute video. And it's, like, kind of – his content reminds me of, like, old YouTube. Kind of like with with his humor and like the kind of like editing that it is. It's like a, it reminds me of like YouTube circa like 2010 or so. Oh, uh, hang on, nope. I so I haven't watched it, but I have heard of this guy from his. Uh, he does a lot of motorcycle stuff. From his Alaska to Argentina. Yeah, that shit was crazy. I discovered that after the fact too. Um, he he did that like yeah on like a little 125 or something. It was it, it wasn't like a full motorcycle. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fucking wild. No, I have heard of him doing that trip because 
technically, uh, the trip that I mentioned I would want to do is a third of that. Uh, exactly a third of what he did. He's just doing the reverse of going all the way from the top of Alaska down. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes some cojones that I don't know if I would ever have to do all that on a little Trail 90. Well, oh. you you have a fiancé that would very much like you to come home, and he did not. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, this is like... Um, I've seen pictures of his bike and his setup. It's like, think of a... 60s, 70s Honda Trail 90 that's got a couple yeah. little upgrades, but sh- tons of shit strapped to the outside. Like, probably more cargo than the actual bike weighs. Well, take that same ethos and uh, translate that to a mini Jeep. And, yeah, a thousand miles off-road in a mini Jeep from Logan to Moab. Entirely off-road. off-road. So he started in Logan and, started, and he went around the north side of the Great Salt Lake and down the west side. Mm-hmm. And then down, he met... Uh, or he linked up with Highway roughly around the uh, Manti area, I believe. Gotcha. Or, sorry, or Manti or Nephi. Um, and he, it, it was funny because there's a shot, there's some shots of him at a gas station that's the same gas station that you and I have used uh, coming out of Mount Nebo. <laughs> ah. So yes. I'm like, hey, I know where that is. Um, and so he did like the first half and then the he lost compression and so yeah and so he had to like come back like four months later with like a rebuilt engine and he dropped himself in the same place where he last you know stopped and funny story he started in december of 2022 (laughs) so everything was snow and he and he was at the foot of this fucking mountain which was basically mount nebo Granted, December, it looked fairly normal so far. <laughs> well, no, yes, but normal also for us is still a fuckload of snow in the mountains. It is, yeah. And for a, you know, a mini Jeep that doesn't have four-wheel drive or normal-sized tires or really an engine worth, you know, anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, th- th- it was a lot to ask, so. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, and... Well, so that actually leads into what we were talking about before this, which is, like, weird overlanding vehicles. Because this guy's literally doing it. Um, yeah. But, like, unconventional overlanding vehicles. Because, in theory, overlanding is a broad term that has somewhat started to just encroach to the layperson on just off-roading. But they're not really the same. Well, um, they- I mean, ov- the whole thing about overlanding, and this is not anything that I've learned recently. Actually, um, my friend Matt, that I used to live with, um, he, he was starting to get into overlanding in like 2016 yeah. um, and kind of picking up what he was learning. I mean, overlanding itself is traveling over great distances off-road. Yep. So when a lot of people, at least this is anecdotally, but a lot of people that I know and see and interact with, a lot of people, when they think of off-roading, they think of rock crawling and like really technical, steep, slick rock shit like in Moab or something. Yeah. Um, or maybe going up a mountain. But like overlanding itself is more like of what you're talking about or what uh, this guy, Ed, did. Um, you know, just traveling great distances away, you know, hundreds of miles away from any people um, and completely disconnecting and just taking resources with you and surviving off road or surviving right. just in the wilderness. 
Yeah, based off of what you have. So it doesn't necessarily, it can, but it doesn't necessarily involve quite as much, like like you said, rock crawling, steeps, and things like that. Uh, no, you can ha- spend a thousand miles or whatever off-road, like in the, in the Siberian uh, tundras and shit, and like that's very much overlanding. Very much, because the goal would be, I think with off-roading, uh, the goal is more like, let's say, a sprint. It's like you're going in for a small set amount of time, maybe a little bit longer, but like you're not going to be there that long. Overlanding is like sometimes a week long. Like you're planning on spending time. It can be in as long vehicle. as it can be as long as you want. Um, that's not even a, you know to use the cliche. It's not, that's not even a marathon. That's like an Ironman. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it takes a lot. Um, it can take a lot more dedication to be like a dedicated overlander and spend a week or more just living in the vehicle, not like returning to a campsite or it can be a campsite, but like you get the drift. Not like returning to a hotel in Moab after a days of off roading, right? Right, right. Whereas like a lot of people that do what they call off roading and. Not to say that that, that it isn't, but um, you know their inv- their financial and uh, research and uh, time investment beforehand is just on the off road capabilities, and it's just of like the sheer technical like what's what's my wheel and tire size? Oh, I want to go to a bigger wheel, or I want to go to a bigger tire, but I need different axles and like uh, center diff and like all this stuff. Yeah. Um, Whereas uh, I actually think one thing is an overlanding vehicle typically, is not as compromised as a dedicated off-roader. And I'm when I say dedicated off-roader, I'm not talking one that's like not street-drivable. You can have dedicated off-roaders that do have a plate, but they're yeah. still pretty compromised because of what they're designed to do with their capabilities. Literally, overlander, a, literally any Jeep ever. Y- yes, an overlander tries to bridge that gap a little closer to the livability spectrum. So totally. You're not quite compromising the uh, all-around usability of that vehicle as much as you are to go, say, rock crawling in Moab. Well, you need like a place to sleep, whether it is on the roof of your of your vehicle, or maybe you pitch a tent, um, you know, on yeah. the ground, or you sleep in like a canopy camper or something. Um, and then you also like have like if you do that, then like you need like a source of heat generally, even if it is in the summer because the desert gets cold. Mm-hmm. Desert gets really cold at night, uh, contrary to what a lot of people might think. So, like, okay, you have that. You need a place to put sleeping bags. You need a place to put food. You need a place to put maybe firewood. You need a place to, you know, uh, bring extra fuel with you. So it's not just tools for when you break something, but it's, like, all of your other, like, you know, life stuff that you need. It's like, how do I fit a studio apartment into this Forerunner? Kind of, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean... We both know a couple of our friends, namely uh, Patrick with RS5 that has his Forerunner build. He's got a fridge and lots of other things, and that's fairly common these days is to have some decent creature comforts in there. Oh, yeah, uh, and, like, you know, the conversions that people do is kind of insane. But um, it's it's funny. When we were, like, the, the thought that triggered in my head of, like, we need to get going on recording this podcast, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned Forerunner, and I it just it triggered me because in the short time that I've been doing like social media posting for my work, we've yeah. had four white Forerunners, not <laughs> quite back to back, but whenever there's a Forerunner that comes in, it's generally white, and they're getting the same front runner rack on the roof to then get the same tent. And sometimes yep. we might get someone that is getting spicy and they want like a heretic light bar and some Baja design, like, you know, rear chase lights. Like that was just last week. Um, 
not a lot of Broncos. Uh, I've seen just like a couple Broncos. It's mostly what I've seen has been like Tacomas and Forerunners. A lot of Tacomas and Forerunners. We've had some Ram products, um, and those get like Carly King packages. Mm-hmm. Um, so King shocks, uh, King coilovers th- done through Carly. Um, so they get like the Carly treatment, which is pretty cool. Um, trying to think what else. And there's just been some other like odds and ends, some Jeeps and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting that Toyota has kind of seemingly accidentally become the darling of the Overlander world because there's always been the rivalry on the off-road side between Jeep and Toyota have been the two big contenders. But then it seems in the past, let's say, decade and a half, uh, Toyota has come out a little on top of the overlanding spectrum. They've kind of like separated a little bit, basically. Well, and the overlanding boom hasn't happened until like within the last few years. Yep. A lot of it due to COVID. I mean, it was still on the rise before COVID. Uh, it was definitely on a steep rise before COVID. But I mean, it's what happens when you have an off-road vehicle that has decent on-road manners. And they're built with this level of toughness that, you know, you can really trust it, you know, to take it off road a bunch of times for long periods of time and not worry about shit breaking. You know, the, the life cycle of, of off road Toyota products uh, generally is, about, is over 20 years. And like their normal like passenger cars and a lot of companies' passenger cars is like eight to 10. Funny thing you mentioned that. The, vehicle that i just got back from detailing today was a 2007 forerunner that um the individual in question now works at a dealership i work with and he lived in that vehicle for two and a half years in in not moab but just kind of all over central and southern utah Mm -hmm. as a tour guide and so it was his overlanding rig but it has 260,000 miles on it and to be honest for 260k besides like needing a couple bushings on the front end it really didn't feel bad yeah yeah, and, I mean, two uh, well over two hundred thousand miles on uh, forerunners, especially like of that era or Tacomas of that era, is not as crazy as a lot of people might think. Um, people really use the shit out of those things, and it makes sense. And then they try to sell them for like fifteen grand. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> See, the funny thing about this one is it wasn't heavily modified. It's got like a two-inch lift, and it's got some slightly beefier tires, but still on the stock rims. Wasn't ever crazy built, because um, he's a he's a well for all intents and purposes was a kid when he first bought it. He was eighteen. He was barely into his adulthood. And did he so, buy it used? He did. Okay. Oh yeah. So he uh, he's only I think twenty three now. So he's not old. He's had mm. it for about five years, but he's. Okay selling it for more than he paid for it five years ago just because of how the market is not a shit ton but like he's like it's crazy that i lived in that thing for as many years as i did put seventy thousand miles on it and at low book value it's selling it more than when i bought it yeah (laughs) that's awesome good for him i know and i mean it's it's crazy to look at something like that but anyways uh it got me thinking like uh what's like the some of the more oddball things that people have done overlanding with. You mentioned that, like, my well, Audi I found idea. it. Well, I okay, found well, it. Okay, <laughs> it's the fucking C ninety Adventures guy with his mini Jeep. Um, you did, yeah. And I think that's about it. That, that's just about as weird as it gets. Um, our buddy Kenny, who um, actually I won't get into that part. Something you and I have been talking about. Uh, oh off yeah, air. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, um, but he he has a friend of his that has taken a reliant Robin to Moab. Gotcha. And like like gone a baby lion's back, which is hilarious. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> what, shout what out, cr- shout out to Chad. What a crazy vehicle to attempt to do that in. Um, there was that I saw actually in this uh, group on Facebook, Overlending for the Poor's. Um, I saw an individual that had taken a Unimog, which is a German off-road military vehicle, and put um, the the one with the Lance camper on it. Yes, the um, like the camper, and apparently it, I mean, it looks like it, it looks like he just cherry picked it off an RV and just dropped it on the flatbed, <laughs> which is basically what he did. Uh, because when those get totaled, they um, they can't ever legally be registered. Like a, a totaled trailer is like way harder to get back into circulation on the road than mm-hmm. a car. And so it's just a lot of waste. So in theory, although it's very weird and crazy, in theory I applaud that guy a lot because it's finding a use for something that the body itself maybe wasn't actually damaged on the RV. Maybe right. it was just the frame and axles mm-hmm. and actually finding a use for it. And it looks well done enough. And so I was thinking of that like like I mentioned, my Audi's an odd one because although, yeah, it has the all-wheel drive capabilities and shit like that, and yes, back in the day, they were known for rallying, and my block has ties to rallying. Other than that, the car is technically a luxury four-door sedan. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's Audi's attempt at a sports sedan. Yes, uh, and it really is not necessarily meant to do that kind of thing. Um, the interior's nice, and I want to keep it that way, and that kind of is difficult when you're trying to do crazy things. And so, oh, here you go. I found somebody. Uh, it's funny. I found somebody with, like, an original Mini. That that Where? would be kind of uh, on here. On here. Um, yeah. it's, not really, it's not really that crazy. There's not much done to it. But that would actually be a wild one. Like, get an original Mini, put, like, that uh, tent that you guys sell. At, uh, the Kabari? That would not. The, the Kabari wouldn't fit on my car. Yeah, you can make anything fit. <laughs> like, I mean, at no, the, you can make it fit, but like, I <laughs> would not. It it would. I mean, Expedition Superstore would not put that on my car. Oh yeah, um, no, like, but it, I like just... it overhangs off of the sides too much. It actually, like, sure, you can ghetto rig anything to fucking work, but like, it'll be shit. Yeah, it just makes me wonder if that's something that a couple of these people would do because I could see that. Um, I could totally see somebody doing that kind of thing. Um, I was thinking of another vehicle that might be an odd standout for like an overlanding vehicle, as weird as this sounds, is like an old Crown Vic. Because it has leaf springs, you can lift them easily, they're yeah. full body on frame. Mm-hmm. And I've seen those before, um, but that's kind of one of the oddballs I was thinking of that could be pretty cool. And it's got a V8, so it's got a torquey enough engine, you could run shit off the engine and not oh, sure. be as worried about stuff. Yeah. Um, no, it's definitely the world is your oyster, and that's what I kind of like. Like we've definitely beyond the Toyotas that you mentioned, we've definitely seen a rise in like we'll call them micro overlanders, things like uh, all the Subarus and stuff, whether it be Outbacks or um, Cross Treks or big Cross Treks. Yeah, Cross Treks are huge, mm-hmm. uh, easy to lift and d- big enough to fit things on. Yeah, uh, and I mean I've. Ever since I uh, drove the cross trek and we did our uh, video and photo shoot at the Trona Pinnacles back in February, you know, that got me thinking, like, huh, what about a rooftop tent on a WRX hatch? And, like, you lift that, we'll throw some, like, you know, 
keep the same size or maybe go down a little bit, uh, like an inch or so on the wheel so you can have some like knobby, like balloony tires yeah. and like send that shit off road, but have a rooftop tent that you couldn't really do it with Kabari because of, um, you can't really store much up in there when it's closed as opposed to other tents. And my real only frame of reference is 23-0 because that's who I work for. And I yeah. just started getting into the shit like uh, five months ago. So um, if there is something from like CPT or Go Fast Campers or like whatever the fuck, um, then I I don't know about it. But something like a smaller walkabout, maybe um, it, if you wanted to go to their website, they so basically the family of tents is Kabari is like the basically the it, it pops up. It looks like it's a, like a wedge shape is kind of the generic term for it. Um, mm -hmm. And we actually have some new Kabaris that, that are dropping at Overland Expo. So um, the, by the time you hear this episode, we'll be there this week, but it'll be like four days away from the first day. Because uh, yeah. these episodes drop on Monday. Um, we drive down Wednesday. We're setting up Thursday, and then Friday is the first day. So it's a Friday through Sunday event. And then we tear down... Monday, and then we something I don't know boogie on home somehow. Yeah, um, because I, I think I'm back Tuesday e Tuesday evening. I think is when I'm back. So that's happening this week, which which is exciting. Uh, first expo with the work people, with the work folks. First Overland Expo period. Uh, my buddy Andrew will be there. Uh, you met Andrew? Yes. Yes, we In had passing? dinner once. Yeah, we had dinner once. Uh, I don't remember who all was there. I know it was me, you, and Andrew, but he, that was at the time he had his Miata. Really? Yep. Where? Somewhere on the East Bench. That's all I remember. Somewhere on the East Bench. I have z I, 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 I don't remember this at all. Brain has farted, apparently. Yeah. Uh, huh. That's the I believe that's the only time. I, I think we might have met each other in passing once other than that, but like actually meeting, I think that's the only time. Interesting. Okay. Well, so he does um like the social media and marketing uh for Overland Expo for the show. So he'll be there. So that'd be cool to see him. I haven't seen him in a bit. Um and yeah, so that's kind of what's going on with that. But back to the thing that you and I were going on about. Um yeah, just weird Overland shit. I don't know. I Sorry, I lost my train well, of thought there. I have a funny one to bring up. I, I actually thought of something. I thought of potentially what might have been the first kind of factory-built Overlandish vehicle, and it's kind of an odd one. Do you know what an AMC Eagle is? Bro, I did a video on it. Exactly. <laughs> but like... 1979, they came out with that shit, kind of a purpose-built oddball off-road. It was a Jeep XJ before the Jeep XJ. Yeah. So pretty Sorry, I didn't know if you were like at, like actually asking me if I knew what an AMC Eagle is. Go to our YouTube, <laughs> and uh, the video has like, what, like 1,100 views on it. It's not super popular, but... Yeah. But yeah, definitely a real weird one, especially from a company as small as AMC. Like, it was just, I mean, granted, their whole metric was just throw shit at the wall, see what sticks. Um, yeah, and it was <laughs> the 70s, too, so there's just a lot of that period. Yeah, and I've driven one myself, uh, not on camera, but just uh, while test driving vehicles for a friend, it was at the lot, and I was like, I have to drive it. Can I drive it? And they were like, sure, have fun. 
<laughs> Someone did do this, and I, I'm surprised you haven't brought it up yet. This was on Cars and Bids, mm-hmm. um, a black smart car. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, 15, it sold for 15 and a half grand <laughs> for a smart car with balloony tires, a wide, quote-unquote, wide-body kit, and a roof rack with a spare on it. Oh, yep, and some I'm pulling it up lights. right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's like rhino-linered, like, all the way around it. I love in the for sale photo that shows the cup holder that still has spare change and screws in it. <laughs> well, I even remember mentioning this when we were looking at those uh, Bring a Trailer ads. Like, it is shocking to me how many people, like, don't legitimately do easy prep work for, like, photos for shit. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Uh, I mean, especially this. This is like, okay, you couldn't take the photogra- the photographer, not even the owner, couldn't have taken five seconds to, like, pull the em- change and Empty out the out. cup holder? Yeah. So here's it- something. Sorry, I'm I'm noticing auctions ending soon, and there's some cheap shit here. Like, cheaper than I thought. Like, one day one day left, Lotus Elise, $30,000. 2023 Integra A-Spec with one day left, $23,000. Um, one day left, a C8 Corvette uh, Z51 2LT, 64 grand. Um, let's see, what else is here? Is the is this shit really softening that much? So I did notice. I knew. Um, oh, sorry. Um, one day left on an E30 M3 that's black, 42 yep. grand. That was what I was just going to mention. Appeared on Jay Leno's garage. What the Bro- fuck? I know. Um, Bro, we need to buy this. I. That would be sweet. I wish I had 42 grand. I mean, yeah. I I mean, mean, this is an investment that you could easily, because this could just be a thing about the market today. Um, Yeah. You know, clean it and sell it in like, you know, a month and double your money easily. I haven't been seeing E30 M3s this cheap in like five plus years. Granted, it still has a day left, so who knows? Um, it could I, be I the suppose eBay so. Thing. Yeah. Oh, 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 my God. No, Justin, I found it. What's that? And it, and it has the right wheels on it. Um, okay. Behold. Actually, I'm going to send this to you. And we'll get my reaction live on air. Oh, it's going to be a reaction, I'm sure. Let's see. Yeah, there's a lot of shit. Like a first-gen CT... I mean, first-gen CTSVs aren't that great, but it is, like, real... Cherry and a six. Well, they've always been they've always been dirt cheap though. Mm-hmm. Let's see, yeah. E- 08 E sixty three one day left for eighteen. Look at the With thing the f- I sent you. Yeah, okay, there we go. Just got it. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> it's got the right wheels on it. <laughs> it it does. Um, uh, Subaru WRX STI. It's a Hawkeye, and it has so been two thousand six, and it has been El Caminoed. <laughs> it has been turned into a Ute. It is a Ute now. Um, and with repping a 1552 and a Grales, which is lovely. Uh, I'm trying to see what tires this got on. It's got some, like, summer performance tire on it because, of course, it does. Um, yeah, and a tonneau cover. Well, and the interior is decently clean for a Subaru. Um, like, pretty straightforward. No rips in the seats and stuff. Yeah, those seats are pretty tough. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're the rally you know, inspired STI seats. I love the how the bed is just like, this is very much a build. <laughs> it's just well, flat love- paneling, like flat paneled, like steel. 
Well, here's what I'm curious. It's so it actually calls out the name of the kit, the Smith Performance Ute kit. It also looks like it would have been done in someone's backyard. Yes, and that's why I wanted to look this up. Oh, these are the same guys that make them for like the golfs. They make these for Mark IV golfs and Jettas oh, too. Yeah, I've seen the well. So our our good friend Corbin Goodwin, um, he they had a Jettamino, and so they did the same. They did it to uh, a Mark IV. Oh, these are general G maxes that are on this thing. Interesting. Okay, they actually have legit pricing. Guess how much the Ute kit for the WRX costs? Uh, I'm gonna go high and say fifteen thousand dollars. Way lower. Uh, fifteen hundred dollars. A little higher than that. Thirty five hundred. Okay. I mean, it's one of those things where it's either or, right? It's it, it, it could be like pretty cheap, or it could be like exorbitantly expensive. And like, why the fuck would you do that? What's funny is that you click on it, and it doesn't even describe what the kit comes with. It just says conversion kit for 2002 to 2007 and press the sedan. That's so it. really, <laughs> it's going to be like five to eight to get it to like where you want it. Yeah, if somebody, uh, my guess is that, uh, oh, they actually include a free build manual. Oh, funny, damn it. I was going to try to pull it up, but you actually have to email them to get it. That's funny. Of Anyways, course. but like, obviously this probably just comes with the shit to do it, and then you're left to do it. So yes, I'm sure that this Cars and Bids one is most definitely a build, no doubt, uh, from this individual. Also, but, I found someone else who very clearly is a prepper, maybe even believes in QAnon, um hell yeah <laughs> oh no um but a 2011 chevy suburban it's like a maroon color and i just found it yeah Woo! full full exterior exo cage um yeah. multiple ladders to get up to the roof i mean granted this looks like somebody saw a zombie apocalypse vehicle in a movie and was like i want that I think you're get. I think you're a little too kind to them. Um, I think this person might actually be insane. <laughs> I think this person I'm, I'm, believes in some weird shit. <laughs> I'm actually kind of shocked at how clean the interior is. I actually wasn't expecting that. I was kind of expecting it to be more destroyed, but it's like tan leather and it's not stained. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and well, I mean, GMs, two, I mean, the the most rear seats are folded away, so. Uh, they have one picture with them up, but like these uh, GM. But they're folded of, down, or like they're folded, they're collapsed. No, there's a picture with them up. Um, but this G, this era of GM pleather loves to like peel, and so I'm surprised that this is actually intact. <laughs> um, I'm not seeing the photos of the of the most rear seats up, or is it is it that? Oh, it is that one. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah, photo 130. But anyways, yeah, it's like um, interesting. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Somebody here had some um, odd some ideas. Beliefs. Some beliefs. Yes, uh, very much so. Some some beliefs that for some reason their 5.3 Vortec Suburban needed a f- four inch lift and a whole bunch of shit for a what reason? I don't know. I I can't fathom. <laughs> like like I said, like you said, insanity. I think is the only defense for this. That uh, is the only reason this would get built. Oh my god! So I'm also seeing a 1994 Toyota High Ace Super Custom wagon. What's that's what it's called? But it's it's a minivan. It's a right-hand drive minivan, mm-hmm. um, and the bid on it is five grand. Dude, this is like the coolest car that's actually usable for five grand. Oh, yep, I found the same one. It's funny we're just going down the same like recommendations, and it's pulling the same shit. So yeah, 
but turbo diesel. Turbo diesel, right-hand drive, automatic, just mm -hmm. like mom wagon from Tokyo. Rear AC and heat. I mean, this is pretty baller for yeah for what it is. Yeah. I like it's hella clean, too. And these things are pretty cool. These are also fairly commonly turned into overland rigs. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've seen a couple of them. And it would be interesting, being that this is right-hand drive and being that it only has the like rear passenger engines on the left, that actually could be like kind of convenient in a left-hand drive country. <laughs> totally, yeah. This is this is cool. I love it. Um, I a buddy of mine, Braden, who um I know from like the Watch Club, and he's actually good friends with Chris, um, uh -huh. Garcia. He has one of these. It's pretty cool. It's pretty gotcha. Cool. Okay. No, I mean I'm I was just looking down some of these recommendations. There's a Mitsubishi uh, Pajero. 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 Well, that's um, a, the one that you're evolution. seeing is the Evo, so that's the mm -hmm. cool one. Yep, it's it going at thirty right now. And granted, I'm going into this with no recollection as to how much these sell for, but looking at it, I'm not surprised that they would go for yeah. Good our, our good friend Grant Ellis has one of these. Shout out Grant. This is pretty sweet. Grant, let me drive your Evo. I know, Please. just a different type of Evo than usual. <laughs> you know, okay, so I've only driven Evo 10s that have been stock because I drove one on Everyday Driver with a couple mm -hmm. of GTRs, and then I drove our good buddy Jordan's buddies, like old, like they, they go back like to, I think, middle school or something. Um, his buddies also stock, like 100%, literally nothing to it. Evo 10 so and the the 8s and 9s are going up and like we're starting to be able to import like I think the 6s or the 4s I think yeah um, and people have been getting those I, I quite like to drive one I, I think it'd be interesting especially seeing as I've also driven more Subarus in the past see and I have never literally never driven any of the interesting Mitsubishis none of them not a single one Oh, there's not a lot, really. There's so. not a bit. There's not a big pile to choose from. Most of them are pretty bland, especially in the past ten years. There's been basically nothing. Um, however, I would love to experience an Evo one day or a three thousand GT, neither of which I've experienced. Well, dude, we have a car podcast and a car YouTube. I think we can make that happen. I think. Oh, and I, I am assuredly we will because. We just we're gonna have to find shit at some point, and those are definitely two cars on a list. That would actually, be great. Evos and like DSMs aren't really on the list of our melting pot. Now that I think about it, they're not. I think they're two that we should definitely add to it. Maybe should we do like an STI versus Evo video? I think it could perform well. I think it could do well. Um, I'm wondering how overplayed it would be because it's. I mean, that is the play that almost everybody does. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, th I think if we could come up with an interesting spin on it, then I think we should. I mean, again, similar to like Gears and Gasoline doing their road trips, that's an interesting spin on it because at that point it's not necessarily about the rivalry, more about the road trip. Right. Um, so I think if we found something interesting to do with them um, rather than just say, oh, the rivalry, and, and use that for clout. And Which views. one is better? Guess what? They're both different. <laughs> there's a reason they coexisted for so long. Well, well, uh, I mean, there's. It's interesting because one of them survived, and yep. the other one, people thought, well, by and large, of the of the people that didn't actually spend money on either one of them, just as you know, say journalists, um, mm -hmm. 
I can't remember hearing about an STI being better to drive. I've always heard of the Evo being better to drive. Same. I've always heard of Evo being better to drive and having, because it's a tiny bit lighter, a tiny bit smaller. Not These are very small numbers, um, but... Yeah, but the interior sucks. They are, At least on the 10, it sucks. That is one thing I do know. Um, this is coming is from that, someone with a Fiesta. <laughs> I know. And Subaru interiors aren't necessarily amazing either, but they suck less. <laughs> they got Well, they got nice. You know, they got nice with the current gen. They did. Um, uh, but comparing, like, the uh, gens, like, an Evo of any gen to an STI of any gen, like, the Subaru definitely had a little bit more livable interior. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember, I actually fondly remember, I think it was the Evo either the 9 or 10 on Top Gear when Jeremy did his whole bit about turbocharging where he had the IT and uh, Evo of whatever generation and the Lamborghini, I believe it was a Gallardo, both in sixth gear, and they both matted it. So the video that you're referencing, it was an Evo with an RS400 or whatever the, the name of the kit was. Uh, it, was it wasn't it was aftermarket. It was, like, European only or something, and it was with a Mercy, and gotcha. um, it was just the Evo. Gotcha. Okay, but yeah, there was also a video of a oh fuck. I want to say, I want to say it was Hawkeye STI in blue versus like a red Evo eight, I think, or nine, probably a nine. I think it was um, a nine because the ten came out in two thousand eight, or yeah, as a, the... as an 09 model year, I think, or something somewhere around there. So if there, we're talking about new, then it would have been Hawkeye to nine. Yeah, I I remember that, and I remember him, because uh, one of the big things about that the RS four hundred video, I believe, was the fact that it was faster than that Mercy. But then he did the uh, to disprove that as well. He did the yeah, but that's only when the turbocharger's going, and they did that six gear drag race. Everywhere else, it's ass. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So, no, that we could do something like that. But no matter what, I've driven Subarus. But just no Evos whatsoever. So that's definitely a void in my automotive life that I need to fill um, to at least get a feel for them. Mm-hmm. So we might have to start searching for that. But um, let's see. Well, did we want to cut here and do another one? By the way, we're, we're actually doing a remote because of Gavin's trip. So we're actually going to get two smaller bite-sized podcasts this week. How long have we been going? Oh, fucking... Uh, 37 minutes. Okay. Um yeah. I was gonna actually put my uh, my the my bezel to it. So maybe I'll do that for episode 2. <laughs> ah. Gotcha. Um but thank you all for listening. Um we're about to go record our intro now. But uh yes, we are well so by the time you're hearing this well actually it's not because of uh of Overland Expo, it's because it's Mother's Day tomorrow. We're recording yep. this on a Saturday normally on Sunday. So uh, if you're listening to this and didn't get your mom flowers, you're an asshole. And uh, we'll see you all next week. There's one more thing we need to mention, though. Oh, wait, um, what? Your video is coming out. Oh, shit. That's right. So my, if you're my, hearing this. Yes. You, uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. If you're hearing this yesterday, Sunday, uh, Mother's Day, is when Gavin's Fiesta ST video will have launched. Please go watch it if you're one of the dozen viewers that it, or, like, or audio listeners that happens to be listening to this that hasn't watched the video. Yes. Um, and if you have, thank you. Uh, that video took way too many attempts to make, 
and uh, postponed it way too long because I bought my car just before we went into our whole Audi film. So uh, we kind of got sidetracked, and we're both ADHD, so we just went down different rabbit holes of projects to do. It's like, oh, when are we going to do the Fiesta? Oh, hmm. So, no, I'm glad it got done, and I'm glad that we got to use, you know, footage from multiple attempts. And, um, yeah, thank you all for listening to this, and thank you for watching that. And this is my actual goodbye. So until next time, I've been Gavin. And I've been Justin. And this has been the Exhibition of Speed Podcast.